Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com, where we encourage you all to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And we are starting today a little light in the bandwagon as Mr. Ray Cash, the Reverend himself, is actually, I'm going to say it, he is actually out on assignment as we do this recording. Because, Greg DeMarco, he is currently watching Venom to come back and join Dave and I to discuss Venom, Let There Be Carnage, at the end of the program. Ergo, Ray Cash is truly on assignment as we start this podcast. I am joined by the rest of the bandwagon. Of course, we do have the live audience, uh, PC Tunney. I forgot who you were for a second. I'm sorry. It's that garishly yellow shirt you're wearing. It blinded me. 
but you don't care. You've had a hell of a day on the golf course already. The Packers play later today. I don't even know who they're playing. Who are they playing today, man? I'm not going to lie. We stopped at the 19th hole afterwards, and I can't think of it right now. <laughs> oh, the Steelers. <laughs> Steelers. Oh, you guys got that one. So, yeah, my dad and my uncle are at the game today. So, uh, hope oh, they have a great cool. time. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger is washed. So, Ben, ben Roethlisberger is done like dinner. Yeah, 400 and yards. I still, touchdowns, I'm calling it. <laughs> I'd still, I'd still rather have, um, you know, some of the talent, uh, at least the coaching staff for the Pittsburgh Steelers, over what I got over in Chicago. Though I would say that neither of us want to be in the shoes of the lawyer himself, David Ungar, who's speculating if his Washington football team will win one or two games on the season. Dave, where did you land? Well, they just took the lead on Atlanta, so anything's possible at this oh, point. Oh, well, anybody – okay, I forgot. Atlanta's in bad shape. Yeah, they are. Like, they're, they're in bad shape. They're not a good team. I so. think uh, we should call PC Tunney today Mr. 69. Nice. Man. Nice. Never lived that one down. Unfortunately, I'm here, which means we are not doing bandwagon after dark. Uh, that only happens when I'm absent from the program, apparently. But – uh Anyway, how how all I, I got to do is push a button and they're on remote control. They're robotic. I see. Leave I got it. Leave it there. Leave it there. Audience is is riled up today. So, Dave, how other than your football team stinks? How you doing? How how are things? <laughs> well, let's see. Football team stinks. Hockey team stinks. Uh, Baseball team's a joke. Dude, you just said on Chair Shot Radio, which we record, which you will hear after this. So, you know, if you're doing the calendar on Tuesday, don't listen to Dave, who called his fucking hockey team a playoff team, jumping on the show today and being like, my team sucks. They're horrible. Blah, blah, blah. They always are. You know did that. our Eastern you know Conference that. preview. And Dave is, you are the ultimate Randy Quaid for Major League Two. Like whatever the blow in the playoffs, like they hate it. We've got like, Tunny, we got Tunny's lightning going very far again. Okay, I was gonna ask, but I didn't want. I think I, I just want to listen to it, so I don't want you to spoil it. Yeah, yeah. You'll get the Eastern Conference this week, the Western Conference next week on Chair Shot Radio. So it. split it up, keeping things kind of evening. We got in at a robust, quick twenty-five minutes. It was one of our faster editions. I was proud of us, Dave. We were efficient. Yeah, I feel like I feel like one of my best podcasts ever was six minutes long. So don't worry about it. There you go. And we just received word behind the curtain that the Reverend is in route from assignment. So he will be with us soon. We have actually kind of a light agenda today. So I think we got some room to pontificate and, and talk. Yes, Tony. Is he did he go to the theater? Yeah. Is that the only place you can watch it? Or is yes. it on streaming you can't, no. you can't see it streaming anywhere right now. Okay. So you have to go to the theater to see it. Um, and, and I got a, I got a kick out of my theater experience because there was like theater drama all over the place because people at my theater couldn't read their own tickets properly. And I had not one, but two different sets of people come up to me trying to be like, you're in my seat, bro. And I had to, I had to like literally like one guy. So the rows were like a, it's like a through J. Right. And then there's like a number. 
So I was in seat J13, which is the very back of the theater in the middle. Like I was like the first person to pick a seat for that particular time. I am there. I am ready to go. Doesn't surprise you. Uh, when you, if you're going to do it, do it right. That's all I got to say. It's a compliment. It's a compliment to your preparedness. Continue. Sorry. Right. I like, it's like, it's like the rundowns. You always got to have the rundowns anyway. So I'm sitting there. I have already spilled half of my $12 tub of popcorn, uh, which was like, I went to grab it and just fucking knocked the thing over completely full. But anyway, butter. so I'm sitting there, I'm chilling in my seat. Oh yeah. Buttered, um, all over the place. And this guy comes walking up to me. He's like, no, I've got a 13, 14, 15, blah, 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 blah. I get out of my seat. And I'm like, dude, no. And he's like, but I, and he starts showing me a ticket. I'm like, no, dude, you've got it backwards. A is at the very front, idiot. Um, you, you, you can go. Did you say idiot? After he walked away. I did not. I did not want to get I did not want to get into a fight in the movie theater. I wanted to see Venom. I wanted to see what the big deal was. And we're going to get to that at the end of the show. We won't spoil too much of it because it's going to be this week's nerd review. But we have to, by the way, talk like we're we're not even really going to probably talk about the movie very much. Very much. We're going to talk about the credit scene. That's really what we're going to talk about, because I just to put it out there, this might be hyperbolic. I think this is the most significant Marvel movie post-credit scene since we saw Thanos' face at the end of Avengers. That's how big it is, in my opinion. I will talk about that more once we get everyone in. Dave's already, like, skeptical. He does. He's not buying it. I'm sorry. I think this is huge. I think it's huge for Sony more than it's huge for Marvel because I think that what we saw is that Sony wins. Anyway... But before we get to any of that, we are, of course, going to continue our coverage of What If. We've got episodes three and four of Doom Patrol, which myself, Dave, and Ray will talk about extensively. Tony's going to, yep, I outed you. I did it. I did it. Um, it's what I'm here for. Uh, we are going. To, we got some news around the Nerdosphere, but there was really nothing going on in the world of the trailer park. And, gentlemen, it's finished. We get to close the book. On the Scarlett Johansson saga this week. We no longer have to talk about Scarlett Johansson and her lawsuit after this week. Because long story short, ScarJo got paid. But before we do any of that, we're going to go and do our show rundowns here on episode 99 as we march towards 100 next week. And we kick that off. We kick every episode off, it seems like, anymore by playing a little Marvel music and talking what if. So let's roll it. Okay, so interesting little bit of of kind of, I don't know if you want to call it trickeration. I don't know how you want to define it, but we've been talking about threads of what if being molded together, and we're seeing it here in the final three episodes. If everybody remembers in last week's what if, what if Thor was, um, was an only child, we were introduced to 
Ultron, who has successfully made Vision's body and has all six of the Infinity Stones. And it set up a very foreboding end to the beginning of this episode, which was titled, What If Ultron Won? And we get to see Ultron succeed in defeating the Avengers in his universe and cutting Thanos in half as he walks through to try and claim the Mind Stone in what was just like the most mind blowing split him down the middle to acquire all of the Infinity Stones, which leads Ultron to discover all of the multiverses and start, in his mind, creating peace throughout all of the multiverses to the point that it leads to a confrontation with Uatu, who turns to the only being he can think of to help bring down Ultron. And that one, that one being was the dark Stephen Strange that we were introduced to all the way back in episode three of What If. Holy shit, guys. Dave, kicking it. Actually, no, I take it back. Tony, can I kick it to you first? Reactions to this edition of What If. You had said you hoped that you would get more after Thor. So did this satisfy your hunger? Yeah, I want even more now. I want even more. I think it's a testament to I think it's a testament to the underlying dedication of fulfilling a task uh that that vision has and and you know you can see that kind of play out where if it, we we need to make uh, a, a peace and we figure out how to do that and then when that's accomplished it's not enough we need to continually be striving towards that. Right. And that's kind of how the victory was, was, you know, uh, consummated is, 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 is commitment to, to peace. And it's really weird how you can look at it from all these different angles, but I love the episode again. I've loved the whole series. The fact that, you know, you knew the watcher was going to get involved at some point here. It was just too big of a personality voicing this character to not have more going on. So I, I can't wait to, to find out maybe hopefully there's even more. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I know you guys will get into it a little bit more specifically, but just overall arcing with the story has been phenomenal. And, and they've hit a home run with really every single episode. I don't think we've come on here and really bagged on anything too much at all for this you know, first season of this series. It's, yeah, um, Dave. Oh. Man, <laughs> a lot to digest in this episode. Yeah, the part, yeah. the part where Vision, or excuse me, Ultron. Let's 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 clear something up first off. This is not Vision. This is Ultron, and and uh, he looks. He's got Vision's face. Yes, but this is. I just, I just meant as a underlying driving. No, force, no, I, I right? get it. I get what you're saying, and it looks like Vision. But this is this was the ultimate plan for Ultron to be able to get his consciousness in that synthesoid body. And then you see let where me, we go from there. Let me throw one thing and I'll stop interrupting you. I'm sorry, Dave, because I know you got a lot to say, but it would have been so amazing if they could have got James Spader to do this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have heard his voice. I also would have loved to have had when he ends up inside vision, they switched over to Paul Bettany. Like I would have loved for it to have the Paul Bettany voice because, and he did the voice he did. Um, right. He did the, the zombie, he did the voice work in the zombie episode, if I'm not mistaken. I I so, think yeah. so. But I mean, so, the part where Ultron 
like you said, Pat. Thanos comes out. He materializes to come after the Mind Stone like Infinity War. And, and Ultron base is like, interesting. And then he just cuts them in half, and that's it. And right, and I love it's it so because dismissive. Yeah, just like you know, whatever. But it's and it's important because we've lamented the fact that Age of Ultron didn't do Ultron justice, and this really gets to show you <laughs> just how powerful Ultron was. Now slicing Thanos in half, I don't know about that, but you get to see right here a fully realized, fully powered. Ultron what he was capable of and then and then but it's funny because in many ways he's just like Thanos where he's trying to achieve balance he's trying to te- achieve peace his version is more genocidal than Thanos's was because it's like everybody's too loud so I must eliminate everything so that'll be quiet everybody will shut the fuck up is it, is it wrong that I got this weird when he was complaining about all the noise around me all I could think of was that episode of South Park where Cartman buys his own theme park and is mad about all the lines around him like that's that I had this weird chuckle because it was he's just he, yeah it's just all about yeah about the the noise of the universe now Tony I know you've got a thought but real quick everyone welcome back from assignment now in the studio the Reverend himself the Reverend Ray Cash give it up for the Reverend oh 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 that's awkward that's that's awkward. Um, Wow. Oh, that's that's heel turn. Wow. Oh, man. Um, Ray, I'm sorry, man. I don't a tough, tough crowd audience. Are you sure? Oh, oh, man. Oh, just like wow. Roman Reigns, like Roman Reigns in 2014. My genius is not yet to be understood. Welcome to the show, Ray Cash. Welcome back. Thank you. This is my yard now. This is this is my bandwagon now. We are going to talk about where you were. You are on assignment. I I joked uh, at the beginning of the show, not even joked. I was like, this is one of the few times where we said somebody was on assignment when being away from the show that they were actually on assignment for the show. So not just us using what everybody in radio does. Tony, you had a thought that you were about to say when Ray walked in. Do you recall it, and do you want to contribute it before we hand this over to Ray to talk about what if? Yeah, the human element continues to be something that non-humans can totally underestimate. And that's why Ultron couldn't see any other path to, to achieving peace without eliminating everything. Because much like... When I watched the CW series with the flash and his character becomes over analytic because of a false speed force, he doesn't, he stops believing in the people around him. Right. And Ultron had no reason to believe in anybody. And that's kind of just one point that I wanted to make so much. And I forgot to make it when I started. So I I just thought that was a, a pretty interesting part. And I think very intentional um, in the way the story played out, Steve Perry would be so upset. He stopped believing Tony. Oh, Jesus. Don't stop believing. Oh, good Christ. Ray, welcome Hold to the show. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. 
we are getting ready to are we we were just giving our initial thoughts to the what if ultra on one episode here what were your overriding thoughts i know you really really like this episode if i'm not mistaken so lay it on us big fella i did um first and foremost that's a great point by tunny um we talk all the time about uh why was steve rogers the only one who the super soldier serum ever worked for correctly and because it is the exactly that that human element um there is no perfect formula there takes to account who was a person that makes the person more powerful so to speak um first and foremost i love the show because once again who the last one standing the humans hawkeye and, and widow um I also found I, I got a chuckle out of the fact that, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So shout out to Artem Zola coming to save the day. But the dopest thing about it to me was we have I like connective tissue, right? That's the reason why I think we all have fallen in love with MCU so much, among many other things. You finally got a chance to truly see the connective tissue in this episode of all of this of all of the episodes. Because the watcher been getting more and more and more invested and more and more and more emotional and this and that. And finally got to the point where homeboy Uatu had to like really step up and handle business because he almost fucked up. It's important to note, he almost fucked up because if he wasn't so damn nosy, Ultron wouldn't have seen his ass. And that, like, keep it a buck. Because he was all up in the window. And Ultron was like, wait a minute. I hear you. Um... It's also interesting, the parallels between Ultron and Galactus. I know it's not the same. I know they're completely different characters and they weren't built as the same. But there were a lot of physical parallels between how Galactus looks and Eater of Worlds and, you know, Infinity Gun and Ultron. Um, so, yeah, man, I just and then I know next with the next episode uh, kind of being the pentomet avengers assemble type episode and uh the end of it with him getting with uh dark doctor strange and i just i love when they put something together that you're like i don't see how this can match and at the end of it you're like it was right there in front of me the whole time and i just think they did it very well and uh anytime you can get one of the watchers having to actually do something other than watch i think you have a great story well, and Uatu is always known in the comics as being the one that's most interested in possibly interfering in the affairs of Earth 616. So I told this to Ray in the DM discussion, uh, and I'll share it now, that I have one quibble with the show. And it actually kind of goes very nicely off of what Ray said. But before I go into what that is, I want to acknowledge that this is very much part of what Greg DeMarco would describe as my playlist mentality with what this show is versus what I would want it to be. And that is that um, there's never interconnectivity in what-if stories, like they're always one-offs. This being the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I understand why this has connective tissue, and I think it's actually going to have connective tissue further into – I have a theory – that I'm going to float by you guys uh, after I give this. I think this is going to also connect into the actual movies and specifically possibly Spider-Man No Way Home, if not Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Because 
my theory is that the evil Doctor Strange is going to be making some level of appearance or influence within either one of those two multiversal movies. Because there's a moment in the No Way Home trailer where Spidey is leaping towards Doctor Strange and Strange knocks his astral form out of his body. Mm -hmm. And nobody really acknowledges whether that's like, why would Dr. Strange be doing that? And there could be a good guy reason why he's doing that too. We've seen that before with the ancient one. We've seen that before with Dr. Strange, but it did plant a seed in my mind that if there's this dark Dr. Strange existing in this multiverse, which we now know has been completely shattered via a couple of different vehicles now with what we just saw in the Loki show. And now what we're seeing with this whole, this version of Ultron, anything's possible. And I think doctor, I think dark doctor strange in a deal with the devil made by Awatu is going to be able to roam and possibly impact a couple of upcoming movies, pure speculation on my parts. Hmm. Let's react to that speculation. Ray cash. It would be interesting. So the question is, what can you do with Doctor Strange to keep him interesting, right? I, I think he has a, a, a very interesting... Well, I like Doctor Strange. But again, Doctor Strange, it's, you have the same power with him you have with the character. When you're powerful, as good as your villain. And I think a lot of the, the, the interest with the Marvel guys are that they're interesting as characters before you get to them and their villains. So I think a, a evil Dr. Strange or a um, more along the line of a Mordo-ish Dr. Strange could be fun. So I, I, I mean, it's very possible. Plus you clearly watch the trailer. He was, he, he, like he chose violence for that trailer. Like he was just out there doing whatever he wanted. But maybe, maybe possible. David Ungar. Um, I don't think you'll see it in Spider-Man, possibly Doctor Strange, because I think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to have too much going on as it is. And and I don't know, if, especially with what we're going to talk about in a little while um, with, you know, with Venom. But um, yeah, I could see them doing that. I mean, it's been it's been a lot of speculation since what have started, whether there was any any aspect of this that was going to be canon, whether any aspect of this was going to be continuity. Um, I would love it if they use this as a way to reintroduce Ultron. You know, that would be awesome. Uh, maybe not this version, because this version is very scary. But I, I would love to see that. I, I could see... Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying in that in that aspect of the trailer as to why would Doctor Strange be doing that. But like you're saying, there could be 10 different reasons why he's doing that. I could see them doing something with the multiverse of madness. It just feels like No Way Home has got too much going on already and potentially expanding in a bunch of different directions. So maybe they don't want to throw everything at you in one movie, but it very well could be. I mean, you could get a, a dark doctor strange in this whole thing and, and he could be a catalyst for any number of problematic appearances from villains or heroes or even anti-heroes at this point. Tony, I know you just want a good story. But what do you think if dark, dark doctor strange showed up in a Marvel movie? I, I tend to lean towards more of what Dave's looking at as this possibly connecting, but the possibility of this happening is interesting. When it happens, possibly, 
my only request is that at the end of whatever movie makes sense to lead us towards this, the last two words of that movie are the appropriate character saying, what if? See, now I can't even make the what if pun I was going to make, but I get what you're doing. I, I mean that, though. Yeah. I here here's my other what if guys. What if Doctor What if Dark Doctor Strange turns out to be the MCU version of Mephisto? You had to go and say it, didn't you? I did. I had to do it. I had to do it. No, but I, now I'm not even now I'm not, I'm not even being silly though because what if that's the deal with the devil that fixes things for Peter? What if I like it. I'm not trying, like, I'm really not trying to make the Mephisto joke, but what if, because you see this, Marvel does this all the time with storylines where they take, like, one day more, and, and they just, instead of it being Mephisto, it being Dark Doctor Strange, a character that they've now introduced, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think it's fun speculation of something that could happen. I'll take it one step further. You could get that in the next episode of What If. That could be the deal that Dr. Strange strikes that gives them the power to overcome Ultron in it would not surprise me one bit if this is where the because everybody's been speculating about Mephisto since WandaVision came out and they've held back held back held back to the point where all like it's not going to happen it's just you know people being stupid and then all of a sudden here he is this is who Dr. Strange goes to Mephisto cuts a deal they're able to overpower with probably some help from Owatu and maybe a few Celestials or Eternals along the way. Who knows? Because they haven't appeared yet. So yeah, I think as much as we've trolled ourselves with this whole Mephisto thing, that that's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I don't think so. Ray, I know you I, love Mephisto and you've been waiting for it. it. I know he, he's tattooed on your left bicep, but you know. That, yeah, well, it was so that's the thing. It was it was never a troll. It's just and something Patrick hates, which we give him hell for, but he's always right about it, is it fans like to put something that they want as, oh, this is it, before we have ever seen it. But the teases for Mephisto and the stories that have been told that directly involve Mephisto have been a plenty. So you would just have to think, eventually the boy going to show his face, right? At some point. You you would think you would think at some point he's going to make an appearance. He's going to be there. But the other side of it, like I said, is if they create a vehicle to use elements of that character in the MCU without using him, that also wouldn't surprise me. So here's something else I want to throw out to you while we're going in wild speculation. Who's the one, you know, other I mean, Tony Stark and those guys and Hank Pym were Ultron's nemesis. But who was the one who actually overcame him? Reed Richards. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, wait, but which time? I mean, hey. in Age of Ultron. I mean, what if Doc, Doc, Doctor Strange is going to go and grab Reed Richards from some parallel dimension to overcome Ultron? And that's how they introduce all this shit. And Tony's uh, over there squirming. <laughs> He's giggling. You're, you're stealing my thing. I was going to say, ask the, let me use those two words one last time. What if we have it backwards? Where we're thinking one of these movies is going to lead into what they're doing with What If, but what if the end of What If is leading into one of these movies? We've been saying that for weeks. You have been. Possible. And, and, and the just, great thing if, is, oh, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. I just want to say, if we're doing Reed Richards, of the three people you just mentioned, the three geniuses, Tony Stark, Hank Pym, and Reed Richards, Reed Richards Cricket is the worst of all three of them. So, like, 
there's a lot of potential there for good or bad. But he wouldn't even have to be crooked. I mean, Dark Doctor Strange, who's really just a, a reflection of himself, he's not necessarily dark as far as misguided. He could just sit there and say, I know this being in this alternate universe over here that I've seen. Because, I mean, how many different sure. possibilities does Doctor Strange look at in Infinity War? He could You're say, right. I found a million possibilities, and this is the one where we can do it. And there you go. Well, but but the maker, like, again, chooses violence. All right. Yeah. So now that we've wildly speculated on something that has not been hinted in any way, shape, or form, but is based on one statement made at a Comic-Con two fucking years ago, I'm just going to say, it's not fucking Reed Richards. It's not. It's not. Dave, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not. I don't think... I yeah. don't think I don't think Dark Doctor Strange is, as the Mephisto role is is realistic. I I think that there are more breadcrumbs there, uh, and I think there are even more breadcrumbs for Ray's theory about Mephisto just as a character than there is for Reed Richards to be the answer to Ultron, especially when we've seen footage that hasn't popped up yet from the trailers of Dark Doctor Strange standing next to Bro Thor, of these all these other heroes that we have been introduced to in other what if universes i that's that's probably where it's going to go is bringing all of those characters together to rise up against infinity ultron anyway we will learn all about that and talk about it next week on the 100th episode of bandwagon nerds dave the last episode of what if is next week too right it is i just said i think we almost planned that Wait, again, we we talked about this last week. How is this going to happen? Wait, what's, what's, this is my thunder. This is my thunder right here. Here's Dave trying to trying to take my thunder. I'm taking it, man. I'm taking it back. It's, it's, you can't take it back. It was my thunder. Like you don't get to, to take Ray's thunder or something for crying out loud. I ain't getting anyway. Ray's got too much thunder. You got thunder. No. Keeping it 100. As it is, yes, we will be wrapping all of that up next week on episode 100 of Bandwagon Nerds. Dave, I don't have the sound bites, so I need you to cue up the Doom Patrol music because we got two banger episodes to cover, and uh, I'm just ready to get to it. So, so hit it. Gentlemen, I actually had to bring up IMDb because I had to have two separate episodes here. Yeah, we all let's real quick. Um, hey, studio audience, how do you feel about you not watching uh, episodes three and four of uh, of Doom Patrol? That's right. Boo that man. Boo that man. Boo him. There you go. Ray Cash. I didn't even and, watch two. I'm out. And oh, no, you did not. I'll laugh at that one. Yeah, see, I thought that was funny. That was that was, that was funny stuff. They enjoyed too much that. time on the golf course to watch.
shooting 69s and stuff. 69s, right. dude. Oh. All right. So let 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 us begin. When we last saw the Doom Patrol, they had all been murdered um by by Red um uh, Red Hobbit who shot them <laughs> with the with the green laser. He was a hobbit. What? He played a hobbit. I can't Dominic Sutton something or other. I can't remember his last name. Um but the Doom Patrol, and by the Doom Patrol, I mean Cliff, Rita, Cyborg, and Jane had all been um, been dead, been killed. And we actually start with them on the boat with the ferryman. Looks like crossing the River Styx, if that's in D.C., but we're crossing the River Styx where as they're approaching the River Styx, Cyborg, Jane, and... Um, and Cliff all collapse. Rita doesn't realizes that maybe, hey, I may, maybe I should collapse too because this is what they're doing. So she fakes it, and they find themselves all hanging in what appears to be a meat locker, and we're then taken away to three purgatories, or at least what we learn are, are basically purgatories for Cliff, for Cyborg, and for Jane, while Rita is still conscious and is able to reach out across the void meanwhile our our young good friend captain i'm forgetting his name because that's what i do uh um, larry trainer the dead boy? larry yeah. trainer i was gonna call him jack because i was thinking jack trainer which is a character from the movie working girl played by harrison ford um slight difference yep Yes, very much so. This is the knowledge in my brain. Larry is home. He's moping and depressed because he's missing his, his celestial partner when a delivery shows up at the door, and it is the four bodies of his friends in boxes. He, in what is totally a normal thing, wraps them in bandages to keep them from decaying, sits them around the dining table, and then brings Dorothy in to be like, hey, here they are. Dorothy's like, you're messed up. Why don't we make some pancakes? At which point, <laughs> Rita, her face appears in the pancake batter, talking to Larry. And they realize maybe they're not, maybe their friends aren't as dead as they think they are. So they enlist the help of the Dead Boys Detective Agency or something like that. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Dead Boys Detective um, Agency. Well done. Dead Boys Detective Agency who assist them in getting their friends back. Uh, hilarity in the afterlife ensues, uh, culminating with this horribly creepy moment where, as Cliff describes her, spider-faced lady vomits all over them as they're crossing the river sticks to escape back to, to the living world. And in what I think is one of the best moments ever, when she vomits all over them, and they're like, oh my, oh my... Oh, it's just vomit. Yes. <laughs> They're so happy that all of this is that they got vomited on uh, when they come back to life. And I thumbnailed that because I know we're going to go into it's kind of some deep dives about the, the purgatories in particular, because I think there was a lot, uh, a lot to pull out of that. Uh, but again, as we do with a, a lot of these, Ray, we'll start with you. Get some thoughts on this episode. And then, Dave, you follow up right after Ray. You know, I think I've told you, gentlemen, that I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't take drugs. I don't need start. to. You might, yeah, you, this show, you can start. I don't need to because I imagine that this is what it feels like to be on acid. 
Because this is the most wild stuff I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, yeah, look, first and foremost, the fact that Larry's first thought was, hey, let's wrap him up and see what happens. It's hilarious. Um, secondly, the fact that the only adult in the room is Dorothy, who's a 13-year-old child. Again, it's hilarious. Um, if we're talking about things pertinent to the, to the, to the episode, I think it was really interesting and important, the purgatories that they all went to, because uh, Jane got a chance to meet Kay's abuelita and learn about Kay a little more. Cyborg was able to kind of get that closure with his moms and realize that, you know, uh, his dad really, Silas really is a piece of shit, because we all know. If you <laughs> read the comics, Silas Stone is a piece of shit. Um, and also, Cliff got a chance to tell off his dad, but realize that I can be a better dad now. I don't have to worry about making up for what I did back then. So that was cool from an expeditional standpoint. But I think the most important thing is, and if I'm going, if I'm jumping ahead, I apologize, is by the time they come back, Dorothy gets ready to leave with the dead boys because she's off to find her dad. And I think that was important. It didn't turn out to be as important as I thought it would be for episode four, but I thought that was an important exposition because you know that we know Niles is still floating around somewhere in the purgatory sphere. Or Some. in the stomachs of all the other people, as we were well, discussing. Stop! You're skipping episodes. We're on episode three. What are you doing, Dave? I understand. What are you so, doing? So, question one: question for you two, as I as I cede my time. Who was the dude? And maybe we're not supposed to know that swore he knew Rita in Purgatory. Rita knows, but she hasn't told us. I think she knows. I think that's the case. Think she knows? Oh, I absolutely know she knows. You look, she intentionally plays dumb. Like, you look at her face. Go back and rewatch that. Her face is like, I know this guy. Like, she can't even look at Larry when she says she doesn't know him. Like, she is lying. She is lying, lying, lying. This is the thing that frustrates me with this family and their level of dysfunction is that Larry and Rita are basically love, like, they love each other. They're brother and sister, right? Like, well, I was going to say they're the typical married couple when one of the married couple is gay, but sure. That too, but like I, I, I don't look at it like I look at it as a familial love between the two of them, and like like she won't she doesn't come clean about Madame Rouge like she doesn't come clean at all until it's too late and mm-hmm. same thing with this like she's not going to come clean that hey I know this guy. Like I knew, like I know exactly who it is because he says when he talks about, I can't even remember what the sentence was, but he says like a very specific sentence that is done because she knows like who he is, like she does. So we're gonna learn that later, I'm sure, because she knows. I see my time to Dave. Yeah, I mean, episode Episode three. Yeah, episode three. I, I mean, let's not overlook the most disturbing aspect of this. Cliff's dad killed a fucking Pegasus and gutted it. And and like Jane said, that's like a million times worse than killing a unicorn. Um, I cracked up when he shot that thing in the sky. Out of the sky. You knew he was going to do it. Oh, yeah, you did. Like, you knew he was going to do it, like you saw it. You did. But I, it, the, the episode is just, I mean, the I, and I hope, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of the Dead Boy Detective Agency because, what was it, Edwin was the only one who'd actually died and crossed over, and then the other one had just kind of sort of died. But they were talking mm-hmm. about, I mean, and this is... um. 
it is a DC property, and this makes sense because it, it, there's a little bit of a Sandman tie-in because they're talking about death, and they're like, death's a real person, and it's like, oh, she's not so bad. It's all the assholes who work for her. That's a problem. Um, I thought that was right. very interesting. The whole the whole thing in the in the underworld, or not the underworld, the purgatory, fascinating stuff. Yes, yeah, Cyborg's relationship gets fleshed out. Cliff's, Jane's, it, it was all like you said, adding a lot of layers and depth to each of their respective characters. And yeah, at the end of this whole thing, Dorothy goes off to um, to presumably find her dad. But it's it's I mean, it, the two episodes back to back are just absolutely crazy. In every way, in 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 the most excellent way possible, though. Right. One of the other things I want to say about this whole purgatory thing, and I think is important, this season to me is very clearly going to pay a lot of attention to Rita Far. Rita special. Rita didn't transition. Yeah. Like, why well, didn't she transition? No, not only and, that, but Rita was given the key from Niles, and Niles knows right. everything. So why did Niles trust her? Yeah, good point. Right. So Rita is like Rita is special here. Here's the other thing. Let's talk about the Dead Boys Detective Agency. If there was ever something ripe for a Doom Patrol spinoff, it is the Dead Boys Detective Agency. That is that is fucking a DC supernatural waiting to happen. Like, and I I hope they pull the trigger on that one because that like they even introduced threads that episode that could be translated into a show just the relationship between the two ghosts themselves like one of them's in love with the other and you know just that storyline all on its own is is that's a season by itself would you uh, rather see that than something with constantine as a tunnel i i why not both as the pepsi girl says <laughs> why not both I mean, Constantine got a second life on Legends of Tomorrow, so it's not like he went away. Um, but I'm thinking I, I, a proper yeah. HBO Max show because, you know, he's the leader of the Justice League Dark and yeah. probably the most important Dark character in DC. So I'd imagine they'd want to make as much money on him as sure. they could, not as an expositional character on an ensemble show. They'll they'll find a way, I'm sure. But I like out of Doom Patrol though, as an offshoot of Doom Patrol, like as we look at kind of DC universes, um, yeah, the Dead Boy Detective Agency sets up perfectly to be a spinoff show all its own. And is and like that was a trio. I'm like, I want to follow them. Like, I want to follow them. I want to see what happens to them. I want them to go through some shit, and I want to go through it with them and come out on the other side in the right way. So. We get through episode three, and then episode four, everybody's literally just back, and then Madame Rouge, who we call Shannon for a little while, before we learn, <laughs> before we learn her real name is help me out here because you know I've forgotten it already. Ray, did we? What is her real name? In real me. life? Oh, I don't know. No, I don't know on the show. Oh, she's, I, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I know she's a bird. Yes, do, but um, she comes back. We'll just keep calling her Madame Rouge because she is Madame Rouge. Like that is the character that she becomes. But she just comes walking through the kitchen and is like, "Boo!" And they all freak out. She explains to them that she is looking for Niles, that she has no memories. Um, Rita 
recognizes or remembers her from episode two as the woman who locked them in the room to get killed. And so she's trying to, to basically confront her to get answers from her. Meanwhile, everybody who's returned from the dead learns that the vomit wasn't just vomit. There was a side effect. And that side effect is that it turns them all into zombies. Laura DeMille. Laura DeMille, that's right. Yes. but it, Go ahead, Ray. It, I'm sorry, real quick. Was it the vomit or was it stealing the head of Niles Calder? No, they didn't steal the head of Niles Calder. No, but in, in episode four, remember, because remember at the end of it, when the guy who took the head, uh, when he... Kipling. When he, but, the, Kipling. but the Doom Patrol, the Doom Patrol never touched the head. The Doom Patrol didn't come into contact with the head until after they'd turned into zombies. It is definitely, like, it's the vomit. Okay. Because what's his nuts? Um, the guy that's in love with Baf- Baphomet or yeah. Baphomet or Kipling. whatever yeah. his name is, yeah, he he's the one who has the head first and then yeah. has the soul, and, and also he doesn't turn into a zombie um, at any Good point. point. So point. zombie is uh, it is totally the vomit thing. I think that he just got bit by one of the Doom Patrol and didn't die because they didn't need his brains, his ass brains, if you will. So this episode had me rolling on the floor because you have multiple story. You had multiple storylines going on at once. So you've got, um, you've got Madame Rouge herself trying to figure out how, who the hell she is. Um, you've got Willoughby Kipling with Niles Calder's head for a little bit, trying to woo Baphomet. And then also after losing, uh, after after losing the head to um, what was that guy's name? I want to forget. Darren Jones is that the guy's name? I think the guy who turns into a butt uh, from the yes. from the bureau of the from the bureau of he was one of the government guys. The ass werewolf. Let's go with that. Yeah, the yeah. Darren wolf. Jones. Darren Jones. He was the guy that was in the government facility that had them all locked up where those things once were. Um, and continue to chase him down. He is trying to exact revenge on the Doom Patrol. They have turned into zombies, which does not help Willoughby's cause to get rid of, you know, get Niles' head back. Um, I, yeah, there's there's a lot. Eventually, Niles shares that the way for the Doom Patrol to be cured is for them to actually eat his brain, because there's a chemical in brains that turns zombies back into humans. They do... And then in what is, to me, just the funniest fucking moment in the history of the show and why I love Cliff. Cliff, wanting to know what the brains tasted like and how it felt to turn back to normal because he couldn't feel it in his robot body. And they just, they just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to, he, he doesn't, he says cannibal. He's like, does this make us cannibals? He's like, but no, it, you know, like for me, it's more like I'd have to eat like a, a Buick to be considered a cannibal. Like it was just everything about that scene cracked my shit up. And I'm like, I love you, Cliff. Cliff is a mood. And so that's it. That's all of my thoughts. And yes, we have a zombie butt creature running around. Dave, you go first this time since Ray kicked it off last time. <laughs> I, the, I tell you, man, this episode was so good. Because the zombies are fantastic. Because it, it's kind of like, you know, they're they're smart zombies. So, like, we're talking like, and remember that episode of What If, where they retain their powers and kind of their knowledge of what's going on? These guys are kind of in the same place where 
they are compelled to eat brains and oh your 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 head smells terrific and all this sort of stuff. But I love how they're communicating in zombie language as though they're still talking to each other like they were normal members of the Doom Patrol, and that is just the most hilarious shit of all time. It's it's fantastic. Uh, it, yeah, and and I tell you, man, <laughs> this stuff like you're saying, Cliff is like. He's eating Niles' brains, knowing it has no effect. But it's kind of like the orgasm scene from season two. He just wants to be part of the part of the party, you know. You know, but I don't get it. It's like, well, he seemed to be a zombie, or was he faking that as well? Probably just trying to fit in. Uh, but no, he was not faking that. His, if you look at the metal on his, was, like yeah, his right. his metal was deteriorating. Like it was all falling apart. It was legit. But the scene where where Niles is, you know, Niles's head is sitting there. Look at it, Jane. Jane, I love you. Eat me. <laughs> it's <just laughs> fucking unbelievable, man. Just, this is the kind of stuff that you only get in this show. And they go and they do it. And everything seems to be okay. Other than, yeah, there's a zombified butt running around on the way to Cloverton. Where's Cloverton? Is that where the doom, the manor is? Or where was Cloverton? Yeah, manor. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's absolutely insane in every way. And you're like, Wow, we're four episodes in. Does anybody know how many episodes a season is? Um, um, let me see. I'm, I'm on. It's usually around ten episodes or so, ten like or twelve. Season two was nine. So yeah, so usually about the same. But season um, two was shut down, like very, very strongly because of the pandemic. I'm hoping it's going to be you know like twelve, fourteen, like ten. ten. According to this, it's ten episodes. According to IMDb, so season three is ten. Episodes. Next week's halfway there. Um, you got to figure something big's happening. We don't know. You know, Dorothy. We're not sure when she's going to show back up. But yeah, th- this episode was just—it was so amazingly crazy that you can't help but love it. There were, like you're saying, Pat. There's moments where you're just on the floor laughing out loud because it's like this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Uh, these zombies are fantastic, and um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what happens. In episode five, and I guess the thing that you know, asking you guys, because Pat, you're saying Rita knew that guy from the, um, you know, episode three. What the hell was the deal with her at the end of episode four? And that's why I believe Patrick when he says that she knew him, because. So, uh, first off, let's get off the jokes. I want to take a zombie, uh, a, a, a zombie language class, because. Your boy Kipling was out there like having a full conversation with them. That that was hilarious to me that they were like having full thoughts and conversations. Like, eh, that I, like I was rolling. Um, but to that point you just made, Dave, Rita always does play. We forget that she is one of the best actresses of her time, right? So we so she always plays like she's not a good actress when we know she's fantastic at it. Um, so there is, uh, her playing coy about knowing the guy in purgatory. There is her, uh, when she saw Madame Rouge the first time when they locked the door and not saying anything about it until it was too late. And now her continuing to ask, do I know you? I know I know you. I know you somewhere. Knowing the girl, the lady ain't got her memories. And then at the end of it in the video with her watching. So there's something, there's definitely something up with Rita. And I think that's going to be probably the big moment of episode five is we're going to figure out what is she hiding? What do we not know about her? Something is up. Also, I need to figure out, can somebody help my boy uh, 
my boy Cliff and figure out if this man got Parkinson's or not. Because when you start buying online supplements, like yeah. <laughs> well, that, you can't, that you can't take anyway. This is the only reason why I love Cliff, though. This is why I love Cliff. Cliff tries so hard. He really <laughs> does. Like at everything. And he finally comes to grips with something is wrong with me. And because Niles isn't there, he does what he he does what's familiar to him. And so the first thing he does is he does what anybody would do. Tries to go to a doctor. But he's such a moron that he doesn't think it through. And then to sit there trying to talk to them about what's going on in the doctor, like every doctor is like, I can't do this. This this fucking prank tick. I think she calls him a TikTok yeah. and yep, like yep. up on him. And then so he he is he's middle dumb America. And this is the this is what they would do. Like, honest to God, I've seen people like the reason I get Cliff is because I know people like Cliff. Who, well, if I can't get it this way, oh, look, I can find prescription drugs without getting a prescription. I'm going to go do it. And he's going to get the meds. And something's going to go wrong with the meds. We all know it. It's probably connected to some shadow organization that has to do with evil. Like, we know that's what's going to go wrong there. I am far more intrigued in what happens with Madame Rouge and her memories as she slowly gets them back because she feels like a good person, but everything she's saying or she's seeing is a, a person's view of her as a bad person. And so what is that? How is that going to shake out when her memory comes back and it will come back? What kind of antagonist will she be? I'm excited for that. And let's not, Let's also remember Larry's in a tight spot now because he's dying. He knows mm-hmm. he's dying. He's puking up blue shit. The negative spirit. Expect- yeah. We don't know where the negative spirit is. You figure that's on the way back. And what will that be like once he returns? Is he tied into the whole Madame Rouge thing? So yeah, they got, there's a lot going on and you got six episodes to go, but it's a, you know, Dorothy's well, going to come back at some point with Niles probably. Yeah. You can't, you can't escape Niles forever. We will have him. For the foreseeable future. Okay. Whew. Deep breaths, gentlemen. I think it's time for a one minute and 16 second commercial break. When we come back, we're going to jump into some news around the nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, gentlemen. Let's cue up the music because it is now time for news around the Nerdosphere. Okay. We're going to start with some bad news dropped on us by Mr. Ray Cash, I do believe, as he shared this in our direct message thread. Wet blanket, um, wet blanket that he is. Wet bl- no, you know what? Actually, honestly, this news to me is for the best, given where we are in, in shows debuting and hitting. But we learned this week that the Umbrella Academy Season 3, which we've reviewed Seasons 1 and 2 here on this show, will not be coming to Netflix in 2021. I mean, it's October 3rd, so this isn't a surprise, really. They've got The Witcher coming. It's, yeah, it just doesn't make sense because it seemed like there was a chance that we might get we might get season three uh, of Umbrella Academy. Uh, this article that Ray shared speculates 2022. I'm just going to throw it out there. Now. Seven guys, your reaction to this news is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Are we making a big thing out of nothing? There wasn't even really anything talked about at the Tadum event, um, if I recall. Like it was all Witcher was really the big news out of that. It was almost like Witcher Fest Part Two. Uh, Tony, welcome back to the show. Your thoughts on the Umbrella Academy season three dropping possibly next year, but we really don't know. I mean, 
if you haven't already noticed, I've I've kind of been reacclimating to uh, <clears throat> real life here over the last couple months, so I haven't had tons of time. So I'm fine with it. I'm trying to catch up with everything we're still doing here, and I'll make a pledge here on air in front of the millions and millions of listeners that I will be caught up with everything for the 100th episode. It, no question but yeah i'm okay with it there's so much coming out anyway i think you hit on it already ray you can shake your head all you want milwaukee bucks are still the nba champions so we can continue with the show now mute his mic please Mute his mic. no no i don't think i will i, I think um i think i'm gonna keep tony i'm gonna keep the live studio audience here and ready to go and this live studio audience is on board am i just the hill of the show now is that what you do yeah, see, there it is. You, you didn't, you, you just, you couldn't help yourself. It's too easy. That was too easy. Was, and I just, Ray, react to the Umbrella Academy Season 3. Likely showing up in 2022, the rumor is the spring, March That's right, the right move. Yeah. So much, so much right now, so much content, not only in, uh, not only on Netflix, but in general on streaming. And we're in season premiere mode right now. So like all the shows. So the thing we forget about Netflix is Netflix not only has its own uh, its own shows, right? Lock and Key, Witcher, and what whatnot. But all these shows who are going to go, who are, who are going to, their season's going to end, is going to go to Netflix in, in a few months anyway. So there's a whole lot coming to Netflix right now that I think it behooves them to take their time and remember, the story has to change a little bit with uh, Elliot's page, Elliot Page's transition. So now we have a really good opportunity to really say, let's get a good tw- 10 to 13 episode season uh, of something that we want to put out that is right for our fan base and right for the story. Uh, I'm fine with that. I, I, I will never complain about waiting longer for quality as long as it is quality. Fair enough. Mr. Ungar. I, I agree with Ray. I'm fine with it. It's the right move. You don't need all this Excellent stuff. Radio right there. Yeah, exactly. You don't need you don't need all this stuff coming out all at once. I mean, like like Ray said, you got lock and key, you got the Witcher. Uh there's no reason to pull Umbrella Academy. I mean, maybe if it was like absolutely ready and, and there's like nothing else going on, that's one thing. But pace yourself out a little bit. You know, you got Umbrella Academy season three and probably the boys season three coming out in twenty twenty two and that's going to be fine. I, I don't, I don't, I, it, there's so much happening right now with everything kind of going back to whatever the hell normal is now. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't need it. There's just no, no reason for it. Yeah. Excellent point. I agree with you. Like there's no need to, to rush something, especially with the amount of content going out. It just, it was interesting. I think a lot of people were anticipating it and scheduled Netflix has just been notorious for being very, almost more secretive with their scheduling than like, in the MCU and Amazon uh, all on its own. Like you never know what shit's coming out on Netflix. Um, they just pop up randomly. We got Cobra Kai is coming out at the end of the year. Right. You know, they just, well, they just they announced just, the Dave Chappelle special in a couple of days out of nowhere. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Remember, that, remember that documentary I told you about, about the movie cliches. I ended up watching it today because it dropped like, like oh, they had a trailer it. and it dropped. It did. It was. It was only an hour long. It needed. It, that show needed to be a series, by the way. Um, it's. It's. It's only an hour of your time. Check it out. It's a lot of fun, but it felt very rushed. 
And I think that show would do with being a series. Speaking, you know, so like you said, yeah, it doesn't need to be released right now. There's no need to release Umbrella Academy season three too early. Speaking of things that there are no need for, segueing into our next topic, word released this week, gentlemen, we're getting a, and not only, I got excited. You know, and not only are we getting a re-release of Rocky Four. It's called was it Sylvester Sloan and MGM have announced Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut. An expanded release that comes with 40 minutes of additional footage. It will be shown in theaters for one night only on November 11th before becoming available to sh- for streaming rentals on November 12th. Guys, is this necessary? Right, right. Is this necessary? So, no, that clearly not at all. <laughs> um, I just imagine the extra forty minutes. If he dies, he dies, and if he doesn't die, then pick him back up. Then I will hit him, and then he may die again. If he does not die, then then pick him back up. We may go two, three more rounds. Then he might die. Then if he if he don't die, then then he might not die for a few years. Like, what are we doing? And look. I think I've told you guys, my favorite movie of all time is Creed. I never cared about the Rocky movies with the exception of this one. They all were cool, but none of them did anything for me. I have a renewed vigor for this franchise now because of Creed. And even I don't care about another 40 minutes. So wait, 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 hold up, hold up a sec, hold up a sec. Do you mean to tell me that you had no interest in a poor white guy overcoming the odds and defeating a black man in a pugilistic contest of wills. Shocking. I know. I, I, it's so out of character for me. How, how, how is that? You're like, Mr. I love white people succeeding over the black man. Like, you know, there's a time and a place. Absolutely. (laughs) Philadelphia ain't one of them. (laughs) Dave. First off, Rocky beating Apollo in 1976 was a big deal because I was around then and and there was this big undercurrent. We need a white heavyweight champion. The black guys are just kicking the shit out of us. And I I point to Jerry Cooney and say there was the real life Rocky Balboa. And we saw how that turned out Um, as far as Rocky four, which I love. I love the movie. But yeah, I'm like, how do we get 40 minutes? I know the one scene that they're going to put in there is the one where Rocky wants to fight Drago for and he wants to fight him and he wants the title to be on the line and the commission says no we can't sanction it because he killed Apollo and he's not you know he's not a ranked contender that's been cut from every version of the of the movie even though we've clearly seen in like the trailers that that's there but yeah beyond that where's the extra 40 minutes i mean are they going to maybe they're going to show Apollo having his affair and 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 that's kind of where Creed comes from. Maybe we're going to get some salacious extra content coming in here. I kind of doubt it. Uh, maybe like we were kidding around. Maybe Rocky throws in the towel this time, and it's an alternate ending, and Apollo survives. You know because Rocky saved his ass. I don't think. What so. if? What if? Creed's yeah. From what, what if? What if Rocky threw in the towel? There you go. That should be. And and if he does not die, we may take him to hospital and give him good drugs. Because America has health care. Yeah. Like, what what oh if God. what if the referee stopped that fight two minutes earlier like he should have? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs that we can do. That's a that <laughs> like that's a move that's a move that's a movie. What if the Rocky the Rocky franchise? I, I I can 
as Platt says, I can smoke a bag of that. Yeah. Tony, Tony, what? Yeah, jump in here. Do we need 40 more minutes of Rocky for? We don't even need four more minutes of us talking about this fucking movie again. <laughs> That's but what Tony, I to show the whole, they're going to show the whole 15-round I, the press release says that the fight scenes are more intense and the music is more powerful. Listen, as long as we get more Stu Nahum on the call, I'm fine with it. Here, here's the thing. That's right. I know the commentators' names. That's right, you do. 30% of that movie, the original cut, was montage. How much more montage are we going to get? That movie had two montages. It didn't just have one montage. It had two. Two montages. Are we going to get a third? They're going to play. They're going to play. They're going to play. There's no easy way out back to back to back. So we can see the Lamborghini a little bit more. And what music is more powerful than there's no easy way out? There is none. There is an easy way out of this, though. We're going to stop talking about it and move into what I would think was one of the more bonkers Twitter threads I've seen in a while, but I loved it. And news reports have flowed from this guy's Twitter thread. Is this what you got excited about, Ray? I did, because this speaks directly to me. Yes. So here's the thing. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. I want this Twitter thread to be true. 1,000% want this Twitter thread to be true. From Twitter handle, the redacted guy, hashtag NWH, or at redacted spider, that is redacted in all caps, he is reporting where he's reporting from, God only knows. But that Marvel Studios is actively developing a Daredevil-centric project starring Charlie Cox, likely daredevil season four also he has a direct quote from a patreon uh, again great handle name daniel rpk a daredevil centric project with charlie cox would be in marvel studios plans until then matt murdoch and some of the other characters from netflix daredevil series could appear in echo and serve as season four follow that up with reports that if this Daredevil series thing is to happen, we would get Charlie Cox back. We would get um, Jessica Jones, Jones back, Luke uh, played by Kristen Ritter, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Uh, Punisher. They are not talking about Iron That's Fist. That's the one Iron that didn't say. It's yeah. conspicuous in his absence, and we have now caught that Dave did not read the thread. Anyway, do we want... I want this to happen. Actually, you know what I want more than anything is Vincent D'Onofrio back as the Kingpin. Like, loved him in his role as the Kingpin. Thought he was great. Ray, you were the most excited about this. Tell yes, us sir. why you want this back, too. Well, first and foremost, uh, you're, you're, there, there has been rumors even before the redacted spider gave us the scoops that um, D'Onofrio's uh, hawk... Um, Fisk was going to be in Hawkeye. Right. So just keep that in your in your back pocket. Also, I believe that they've announced, if they haven't announced, there's at least been enough legitimate chatter that there will be an Echo season somewhere down the line. That's a spinoff yes. of this. Okay. All right. With that being said, the reason I'm excited is because 
the Netflix series were the first series that Marvel did that allowed you to really dig deep into the MCU world. And I'm an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, but they walk, they walked that line so concurrently with the MCU that they dipped their toe in and they dipped out. Then they dipped their toe in and they dipped out. And then it was a big budget show, so they had to do things differently in this. And, no, Daredevil really broke down who Daredevil was. And Jessica Jones was up, was one of the best psychological thrillers you'd ever see, regardless if it was a comics or not. And Luke Cage took the line of black exploitation and flipped it to being something more culturally centric. Fantastically, Punisher was as good of an idea of PTSD as you can get, and IFS existed. But like, they all were really, really fantastically shot, acted, casted shows so for them to just essentially not exist anymore is horribly disappointing so to know that they still matter in some form or fashion and every single one of these actors have come out of their way to say i still want to do this role like not one of them has said i'm done cool that was in my past they all want to keep doing the stuff so to know that they're still around in the mcu proper which feige has shown a ridiculous like a Ted Williams level of bad and average and like right. doing things right. You, how can you not be excited? I mean, if, if you don't believe anything about the Netflix shows, just watch the daredevil season one, the um, hallway fight scene. If that yeah, doesn't the, tell the, you, the how, yep. yeah, if that doesn't tell you how good this stuff can be. And then we're talking about the big characters. What about the smaller characters that are going to be, that, that can be huge in the future. Bullseye coming out of Daredevil season three. How good was he, right? There's so many things that can be involved deeper. Shades and uh, and um, uh, Mariah from uh, Luke Cage. There's so much that can really grow and get deeper and get better that I, it would just be a shame to say, oh, well, that happened. doesn't exist anymore. Well done. David Ungar, Tony is tapped out. He just wants to listen to us on this one because I'm willing to bet well, the bet this isn't really your your wheelhouse anyway in the in the nerd dome with with these shows is that is that accurate? To me, thumbs up, Tony. Um, I mean, <laughs> the fact that any of these guys would want this continuity to continue in under the umbrella of the MCU that's a lot of money to all these people involved on these shows, and you know, you're, you're you know, like, to Ray's point. They all want to continue going. Yeah, of course they do. I mean, you bring those shows, slap the MCU music at the beginning, and instead of in association with Marvel, like something we're going to be talking about, it is Marvel. Um, that's a huge deal. And and I think that, you know, you're talking about a lot of street-level characters that are very well-liked, very beloved, Daredevil, Luke Cage, um, stuff like that. I, I'm curious why Iron Fist is left out of this equation. I know the series got some mixed he reviews. The actor he was sucked. good. The, the show sucked. Uh, I... I was not a fan. I, he was all right. You can recast Iron Fist. Um, but I, I think, you know, yeah, getting a villain like the Kingpin involved, because so much of what's going on with the movies right now is cosmic in nature or multiversal in nature that you don't mm -hmm. want to lose sight of the fact that there's a lot of stuff going on in the ground level with people like Daredevil, like Kingpin, like Bullseye, like Luke Cage, like, um, you know, some of the other series that they had, and I'm trying to remember which ones they were. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think 
when you look at iconic characters who are not in the MCU yet, you got to put Daredevil, if not at the top, in the top five. You know, I mean, right there with Fantastic Four and X-Men, if you're thinking about who do we not have yet, Daredevil would be right up there as far as I'm concerned. So I I think it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Most of those shows from what I I haven't seen a ton of them, but I know they were loosely tied into the MCU or what was going on in the MCU, even if it wasn't specifically stated. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of sort of. But all it would take it would be a little tweaking here and there to suddenly bring them into the MCU umbrella. So I'm 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 like you. I hope it's true. I would say where there's smoke, there's fire. This has been rumored for. A, but here's the other thing is that the rumors of this started to pick up once those were. And I remember one of the episodes we talked about the rights reverted back to Marvel at some point yep. for all these yep. characters. And that's when this started picking up steam. And I think this is just a natural progression of where we're going. They're going to bring them in at some point in time. Uh, so I, I, I have no doubt that you are going to see these characters come in. Um, and I'm, I've, yeah, let, let's do it. Let's get them involved. Let's, let's see something cool. Let's bring it. You got great actors who have all got experience in these roles. So you don't have to worry about casting, you know, and like, yeah. like Ray saying, Kevin Feige, just tremendous batting average and Marvel in general, casting wise, they don't make mistakes here. They don't even have to worry about it because they've got a template to follow. Well, we know he can do it. So that's a big, and, big, big benefit. And forgive me if I'm mistaken, just real quick. The whole reason they canceled all the Netflix shows was because they knew that Ike Perlmutter was gone. Feige got TV rights to the control of TV, and they wanted to bring the rights back to Marvel. So they said, let's cut it all off. Let's wait the three years to get them back, and then we could do what we, what we want with them under our purview. So in, under my impression, this was always the plan. I honestly don't know enough about it. I know that it was very abruptly canceled. Like Netflix very abruptly canceled everything except for the final season of Jessica Jones. And because Jessica Jones is the last domino to fall. I, I have long argued that it was not Netflix's intent to cancel. So at least, at least Luke Cage and at least Iron Fist. Right. Because both of those series see their second seasons ended with pretty big time cliffhangers like luke cage is running the 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 underworld at the end of of his uh, of of his second season like so it was it was always very interesting to me i just i don't think that um yeah i don't i don't think this is a surprise I, i like you said ray most of these people have stated that they want to come back to these characters. Vincent D'Onofrio has probably been the most vocal, honestly, out of everybody about wanting to come back to that Kingpin role, which just tells you just how great that character is and that he knows how great that character is. So, uh, yeah, I think think it makes sense. I think it needs to happen. uh, I mean, talking about where they canceled these, I mean, it would almost have been financially irresponsible of Netflix to continue these series in the face of knowing you got to figure that they knew Disney plus was coming and they knew what Marvel's plans were, even if it hadn't been announced yet, they had to, I mean, their industry insiders would have said, Hey, look, this is coming. And they're like, why should we continue these series? Because it was their show at the time. Like why not benefited because it would have benefited Marvel and Disney in the end. How, how, if they're not actually in the, if they're not actually in the MCU, because you said connection, it's tenuous. 
at the very best, like side comment in one episode of Jessica Jones. And Netflix could have finished those shows. Netflix could have finished those shows, and Marvel could have kept them as the characters. Who fucking cares? They didn't. Well, so, did Netflix own the characters, or did they have a well, working that's the relationship? Problem is they knew the rights were reverting. So why, why do this if we know that the rights are going to go somewhere else? Because they're still their shows. Like those are Netflix programs, so they don't leave Netflix. Like Netflix still gets them. They don't get to give them to Disney Plus. When you turn on the series, it says Netflix presents. That may be like, true. That's, that's, say, a that's a good point. That's a good point. It doesn't say Marvel. That those were Netflix shows. Anyway, didn't mean to get riled up over that, but y'all thinking too hard. That's right. Pound the table. We're gonna take another commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about how ScarJo got paid. But first, before we go to the recorded commercial, I need to tell you to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com, God damn it, forward slash yeah. and get yeah. yourself a t-shirt. Buy one of those shirts. Support us on this show. We got all kinds of shirts for you to choose from. OG chair shot logos. We've got the bandwagon nerd shirt, which, fellas, I finally picked up. I finally picked up. Now, I got to wait for the shipping time to get here, but I got myself a bandwagon nerd shirt off of ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot. And I, I, I took it a step further. Because I didn't want to spend the standard $19.99. I wanted something to feel good on my giblets when I'm representing our show. So I spent a little bit more and got it soft style. Because that's the way to do it. The best way to support the quality content that we put out here on thechairshot.com is to get yourself over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and support us by picking up a shirt. We greatly appreciate it. We put something out every day of the week rain shine holidays it doesn't matter the holiday christmas day there will be a chair shot show new year's day there will be a chair shot show oh there will be i know pc tony he's a driven man he's gonna make sure it happens hell arbor day there's gonna be a show indigenous people's day that's when the 100th episode of bandwagon nerds is gonna be dropping so guess what there's gonna be a show and you can support us the best way you can support us is heading over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, Scarlett Johansson got paid, and then we're going to talk a little bit of Venom. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com. Whew. Guys, I needed that. I needed, I needed to get that off of my chest. It's been a, it's been a rough weekend. Dave, Dave knows a little bit about my rough week. We need Christopher uh, Platt here to say, buy a shirt, Melon Farmer. I felt like I did pretty well on that promo. Bitch. Was 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 my promo not good enough for you, Dave? It was. It was. That was fire. It was straight fire. It, it was, was your boy your best one ever. Yeah. Your I was best a one ever. I need to start getting well, Let me tell you something, share shot. Uh, let me tell you something, brother. Time to buy yourself a fucking shirt. Hey, Tuddy's trying to talk. There are some current one take promos that do exist in our in our commercialdom currently and i think that one could be added to that list it was so good so that's oh, my well, well, well thank you thank you oh, if only i got paid but someone <laughs> oh. who did get paid 
with Scarlett Johansson this week. As news was released, I got it first from the whole uh, from the Hollywood Reporter. Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled a breach of contract lawsuit over the star's Black Widow payday. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. I love the statements, guys. I'm going to read you both uh, both statements. So here was Scarlett's. I'm happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come. Followed by our good friend Alec Berg- Alan Bergman over at Disney Studios, the chairman himself. I'm very pleased that we have been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow. We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror. We got a fucking commercial in for her next movie in our statement. Of course, dollars were not disclosed. We all knew this was going to happen. We've talked about how this was going to happen. Dave... Your reaction. Is this the part of the show where we get to say we told you so? Because this went down exactly the way we predict, including the fact that it was a confidential settlement and terms were not disclosed, nor will they ever be disclosed. You will never know what they settled for, and that's okay. Uh, Yeah, not surprising. We knew that, like you said, like we all said, it was a lawsuit that had to happen because it redefined how these contracts are negotiated and contemplating stuff like streaming revenue. Especially, and, and you know, I think once <laughs> it's not lost on me the fact that the numbers for Shang Chi keep coming in higher and higher and higher, and giving ScarJo more ammo to say this is exactly how you guys screwed me over. And Dizzy says, "You know what? Time to cut bait and run on this thing. Let's get this out of our hair." Smart move by all parties involved. We knew it was coming. Uh, no surprise here. The fact that they're they're making a Tower of Terror movie, I, I mean, it's like, didn't we get rid of that ride? Why are we making a movie about it now? I digress, though. Um, no surprise. This, why, this was, why are you hating on the Why are you hating on the ride movie? Because the ride doesn't. It, well, I guess it does still exist in Florida for a little. While, but one, we've got Jungle Cruise, we've got the Haunted Mansion, we've got Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Are you like? Of course, they're gonna. It's gonna be a scary movie. With Scarlett Johansson, how or maybe a disaster movie, maybe a la um, oh god, like Earth, one of those. Remember those earthquake disaster movies from like the seventies or oh, the, the air Poseidon, the flight Poseidon Adventure, Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno. That's the one I was trying yes, to think of. There you go, the Towering Inferno. Like I would, I I would love a Tower of Terror scene like or a movie like that. Um, because you know, at some point they got to have some like jump scare fall, right? Like that's got to be a big thing because that's what the Tower of Terror is. Ray, your reaction to ScarJo finally getting paid? I'd like to uh, give my reaction by reciting a quote from a very famous philosopher. <clears throat> His name is uh, Tretch from Naughty by Nature, who once said, <clears throat> Ching Ching, Bling Bling, cut the chatter at the checkout. If you ain't talking money, then you're talking don't matter. Ching, ching, bling, bling, packing pockets. You make the dollar, dollar. Can't a damn soul stop it. And see. Studio audience agrees. They, they appreciate that. 
Tony, are you happy that Scarjo got paid? Finally, they agreed. Right? I'm just glad something finally went that young woman's way. I mean, she's been through a lot. Um, she's <laughs> had a really rough life. It just, she got dealt the raw hand and, you know, that just, you know, you stick with it and keep your chin up and, uh, yeah, and good they, things happen to great, good things happen to great people. It's the only way I could follow up Ray's scene. It was phenomenal. Ray, I, uh, but, Ray. Thank you, sir. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll finally allow her to, uh, act as other races again. Ooh, can we please have her pretend to be Asian again? That'd be awesome. Everything's coming up Scarlet. Oh, gosh. All right. I'm just happy that we get to close the book on this thing. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I hope someday, because you know someday it's going to come out, right? Like what actors make on these streaming benefits. Like, oh. And just one day we're going to learn it. I thought you were going to say someday it's going to come out that Colin Jost has pictures on Scarlett Johansson. But anyway, I mean, he well, probably, he, I, yeah, he's, he is married and just had a baby with her, bro. I'm sure he got some pictures. I'm saying, well, that's that's why he's married. I mean, during the baby. divorce. That's what I meant. Mm. Mm. I mean, well, Scarlett Joe has been divorced twice, right? Something like that. I mean, I don't I, I don't know. Shout out to the homie Ryan Reynolds. Indeed. Number one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm just happy this is done because uh, I do think I'm going to get us back on track here before we get too weird. Uh, we don't we no longer have to have, you know, updates on updates. I just always love, though, when these lawsuits happen and you, you sling mud back where they were saying some really not nice things about each other. And we just walk it out like it's all roses now. Like we're we're happy. Look at us. We're best friends. We're gonna hug it out over the Tower of Terror. Just kidding. Um, Just kidding. All that shit about your insensitivity about the pandemic. Ah, water under the bridge. No. So, so I guess good on you, Scarlett, for getting paid. Uh, I do think I think Tony's been the one who's long said that. Really, when you're watching millionaires fight with billionaires over millions of dollars, that's it's kind of a stomach turning thing. It is a significant thing for the industry. It does it does start to create some groundwork as to what this will mean for other streaming revenues and contracts and, and how that goes. But honestly, I think we're all so done with this that we want to talk some venom, right? We want to talk some venom. So if you intend to see Venom Let There Be Carnage in theaters and don't want to be spoiled this yeah, as this drops on Monday. Well, you've had the weekend to see it, so shame on you for not seeing it opening weekend, and it did quite well. Uh, early returns are good. But stop. Just You should probably stop the, the, the podcast, and I don't say this normally. Stop the podcast for like 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes because... Dave, Ray, and I are going to reflect on Venom, and more importantly, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the most consequential post-credit scenes we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Since I'm the host, I'm going to go first this time. Really enjoyed this movie. Loved the post-credit scene. Loved Tom Hardy so much more this time around. Uh, and I enjoyed the original Venom because I enjoyed it for what it was. But the Venom character this time around, 
I, I just loved him in his childishness, yet wisdom, yet impetuousness, like wanting to eat everything in sight, yet at the same time, definitely wanting to maintain his romance. And I do think this is a love story between Venom and Eddie Brock and them coming to terms with each other and their relationship. I thought that I thought that Woody Harrelson did Woody Harrelson things as Carnage and was was great as Cletus Cassidy. Um, but I don't know that he really moved the needle for me in the annals of, of like characters. And I couldn't stand Shriek. Like I get her purpose in her role, but I really felt like she was there and not really developed enough in a way that was, was compelling. And so she was probably my biggest disappointment uh, in terms of all the characters, but it's easy to look past that when you have such a good interplay between Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy taking on two different roles as Eddie Brock and Venom. So Dave, I'm going to go to you first. Don't talk about the end credit scene because we're going to spend a lot of time on that. I'm sure your thoughts, your initial thoughts on Venom, let there be carnage. I thought it was, um, you know, it's rare that we get sequels that are better than the original, but this one's, this was one of them. The original wasn't very good. Well, the original was just the problem with the original. It was just all over the place. And this one was much right. more focused and it, it had a story that it was trying to tell and it was easy to follow. You had the relationship between Venom and Eddie and then you had Cletus Cassidy and, and the relationship with Shriek and then Carnage. But they did a good job. I thought of showing just how more maniacal and different Carnage is from Venom. And that was very evident. Venom is great. Oh, shit, it's a red one. <laughs> we can't beat the red ones. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the movie a lot more than the first one because I like the characters more. I tend to agree with you. Shriek was, was a problem. She reminded me of, um, what was the character in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? In, in Dead Calypso. Man's... Calypso, yeah. She, she looked like Calypso. The same yeah. actress. It's the same is, actress. Is it, it the same one? Well, maybe that's why. If it's the same actress, then she injected Calypso into this character, and that didn't work for me because that's what I kept saying. It's like, that's Calypso, and and not so much Shriek. But other than that, I thought Woody Harrelson was very good. I thought, um, yeah, Tom Hardy's fantastic. It was a really solid movie. I mean, it's not the greatest thing ever, but it was a, it was a pretty marked improvement over the first one. And, and And when you're talking sequels, that's really the biggest compliment I can pay it. It was very enjoyable. It was easy to follow. It was focused. It was fun. And um, I love the characters a lot more in this one than the, the first one. And it same leaves character, a lot of shit. Naomi Harris. Yeah. Leaves a lot of shit open. To, it was the same character. Yeah. Naomi Harris. Yeah. There you go. And that's a problem when you're, when you're taking a character that you portrayed previously and injecting it into a current completely unassociated property, that's not good. And she's a fantastic actress, so yeah, that that bothered, that was a problem too. I think the issue with her wasn't even so much how she acted, was that the love story felt misplaced. Because yeah, it just wasn't a very well developed character. It wasn't like, at all. And and you know, us three, we're you're I'm not as big a Spidey head as you two are, but we're all Marvel heads. Cletus Cassidy is just he is an outlier of a human being. He just likes to kill because he likes to kill. Right. So having it having a purpose behind his killing, I didn't like. But that's like I can handle that small dose. Um, the key word for this movie was fun because it was very fun. The scenes with Venom 
away from Eddie are hilarious. Uh, his coming out party and everybody thinking that like he he was talking about himself was fantastically done. Um, and the dialogue and I think the comedy hit much better than the first one did, which is why I think the movie flowed better because it wasn't just you know craziness, craziness, craziness. Um, I also like the fact that we know so little about symbiotes to the point that a dude can bite a symbiote and create a new one. Like, that's also something interesting to me for the future of this series. Yeah, it's it's so interesting the way those characters, like, because in the comics, they they it's almost like they're they're it's almost like they're an atom and they mm-hmm. split. And so are amoebas, like they're amoebas and like one splits and then another one comes. So this was an interesting way for it to be almost like in Eddie's blood. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed to be the way that they were they were building that connection. I just I, I agree with you. I thought it was a really interesting way to take it. And at the end of the movie, we don't know what's going on with Officer What's his nuts. Yeah. Is- Good point. But but and to your point about the splitting of the atoms, Dan does it say at the end of the movie, you guys are the only symbiote. That's the reason why Cletus and 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 uh Carnage didn't work because they weren't truly symbiotic. So maybe that symbiotic that symbiosis really means that it's only in his blood, but it's not in anybody else's. My last thought, real quick, is I want to say, and this is, I think the MCU proper has become great movies that involve character book characters. This felt like a comic book movie. Yeah, and I think that made it more fun. Took me out of certain parts, but it made me, more, but it made it more fun. Right. You got to remember, this is not an MCU movie yet. No. Yet. <laughs> can I ask Wait, a question? Actually, yes, this is, I can I ask a question? It's my show. Um, I'm going to ask the question. I don't know why I was asking permission. I don't know. Can you? you? May you ask a question is the proper way to ask that. Really, do we need only to talk English? about your English language skills again? It's the we only thing I know. Respect. It's the only thing I know. That and good and well when someone asks you how you're doing. Those are the only two things. That's it. I had to jump we, can, oh, we can go back to why you don't write for the nerd review. Uh, uh, yeah, I got a t-shirt for chairshot.com. Uh, syntax is a son of a bitch. Word. Do you think it was a mistake to kill Carnage off? Because uh, I kind of think it was. Go ahead, Ray. I mean, th- I, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. Yeah, it's on you, it's on you, brother. I, I don't. I mean, the fact of the matter is, we think he's killed off, but who knows? I mean, <laughs> where where did we don't know I mean, what's ben going on with? Him. Yeah, he did. Uh, he but he ate Cletus. We don't know what happened to the symbiote and no, what's he going. Ate the, on. He ate the symbiote. He ate Zim- the he ate symbiote the symbiote first. Like he picks up the carnage symbiote, eats it, then yeah. eats Cletus's head. Like you say, we don't know what's going on with this cop. So who knows what he's going to do. Well, again, I don't know. But here's the other thing that's interesting. Because there are other symbiotes out there uh, in the Marvel Universe that they could use. Like if they're going to use the symbiote thing, like I I think Anti-Venom is one of the ones that quickly comes to mind. Scream's another one, a very well-known one. one. Um, I don't know that that's what's going on here with, with, uh, with the detective, but... Um, and I, I went to look up his names, played by Stephen Graham. And I kept wondering, like, what's this dude's deal? Why is he important? Detective Mulligan. I kept being like, why do they keep bringing this guy back? You know, and I get it. There was, like, the past connection with um, with uh, Shriek. But, yeah, I was um, 
if there's one problem, you Ray, you talked about comic book movies, like something being a comic book movie, a true comic book movie fashion. That it still has. It's basically been the Superman films, uh, the Richard Donner Superman movies, and and Thor, where they they don't kill the bad guy, like the bad guy gets away and and lives to fight another day. Hell, even the fucking shitty GI Joe movies kept Cobra Commander, like. Like, like that's, I guess that's my thing is now we know that they're going in a new direction with Venom and Eddie Brock for his next like foray, foray into film. But I just wonder if this wasn't an opportunity to take a character who is out there like a Cletus Cassidy and, and keep him around as a, as an ongoing antagonist on some level. Uh, and they just didn't do it. And I, and I was a little disappointed in that. So, Two two quick thoughts. Number one is I don't think it would have worked with the Sony verse and the MCU merging. Oh, I agree with that total. I don't I don't even think. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, yeah. The second thought is that I think to your Superman point that only works for big bads. I don't think that works for the smaller bads. Then it works for big bads because the movie the movie business is built around sequels and trilogies right so have we got that third cobra kai uh, not cobra kai um gi joe movie it would have happened look how long it took for us to see blowfield in these daniel craig movies it took four movies to get to blowfield right or three four whatever it was so i think had we we got there they got him and bing bang boom it had been done um while we look at carnage as one of the most vicious and 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 Deadly killers in the in, in Marvel proper, he's just another symbiote in the eyes of Sony. So I don't think he I don't think if you got if you were to put a list of all of the possible villains or bads that Sony can use, and then right next to it put a list of all the ones that Marvel can use, I doubt he'd be high on the list based on all of the things that would be involved. And then also too, last thought. Serial killers don't do well for comic book movies because there's an inherent sense of danger that may be a little too real. You know yeah, what I mean? Maybe. No, I get you. I hear you. I just wonder. I, I wonder that all the time when, when we off villains because we do it so frequently. Dave, what do you think? Uh, about them killing off Carnage? Uh, yeah, it, it, it bugs me when they do that. When you take a villain that that we know from comic book lore has got a much deeper and richer story and they just kind of like, you know, they just undercut it and they just shortcut it and they get rid of them. So the car- carnage has got a lot more legs to them in the comics than what we got here. And it's like, well, you know, there, there could be a lot of stuff that they could have done with him and whatever's coming next. So I tend to agree with you. It, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me that they would, they would kill him off, but you know who knows i i i i i I, i'm like you guys i I would have liked to seen carnage stick around but you know ever since when they they do stuff like kill off general zod and man of steel and stuff like that it's like what the fuck are we doing i never quite understood that so i tend to agree with you it's like why what's the point why close that option off to you right yeah right i i agree i I, yeah i just i do i think i felt like there was just meat on the bone there okay Let's get to the act, the post credit scene. So, because you know, one good comic book movie 
doesn't have a post credit scene anymore. Like they all do. And in this one's no different. So Carnage is defeated. Eddie and Venom have to go on the run. So they go, they run away to apparently like Mexico or South America, some Spanish speaking part of the world. It's the same beach uh, where Andy sitting- Dufresne is with red from Shawshank right. Redemption. Well, and we get a very lovely beach sunset scene between the two of them, which again, super romantic where Venom says he loves Eddie, which is not lost on me guys. Like it's not lost on me at all. But so then they, they go they're They're hanging out in their room and they're watching a Mexican soap opera that they've clearly <laughs> been following for a while in this dingy hotel room, like lesser than great. When all of a sudden the entire scenery shifts and Eddie finds himself in now a luxury sort of hotel room with towels folded like swans and on television J. Jonah Jameson is reporting on Peter Parker aka Spider-Man and in a creepy little moment Venom looking at the screen states he's interested and licks the screen with Peter Parker's face now Oh shit! I left out another thing. Uh, actually, I'll talk about it in a second. And then, like, like, and then they have a funny moment where some dude walks in, in scene, basically telling you that the events from No Way Home, I'm assuming, have brought Venom into the MCU, which may mean that we're going to see Venom in the MCU. So I have a couple of pieces of speculation here, but just thoughts and reaction to that moment, Dave. Well, I thought, and I, I mean, trying to figure out exactly what happened because Eddie and Venom are talking to each other and Venom's telling him, I haven't shown you one, one millionth See, of what I this can. Is, this, is what, this is what I forgot to mention because clearly the symbiotic people know about the multiverse right and 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 at first you thought well maybe they're going to show maybe he's going to show eddie the symbiote's home world but instead it shifts into this multiversal sort of thing and like like what you're saying is um you know where where everything kind of shifts and, and 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 it's something from no way home but what he sees on tv isn't that the end of far from home where J. jonah no. jameson outs no, it's, peter it's, to it's a, it's a continuation Okay. Hey, go, go listen to the report or go rewatch um, Far From Home. It's it's a different report because okay. I thought that too at first. All right. Um, uh, but if you listen to the way Jay Jonah is talking about it, it's clearly something um, new. But the biggest aspect, of course, is that now you have the Sony Spider Verse directly crossing into into the MCU, which opens, I mean, which is no big surprise. And I will say this for once, all the spoilers we got were right. They Ah. said what was going to happen and it kind of came to fruition. Kind of. They didn't, the the spoilers that we saw and that we talked about on this program didn't mention the universal shift like that. No, no. And, 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 And you still don't know whether, and that's the thing to me. It's like, was that something venom did? Was it, the spell that Doctor Strange struck, or was it something else 
It could it be Loki's bullshitting around with the multiverse, which we know is probably I, canon. I, hold on. Uh, I have a theory. I have a theory. If it, you want it, to hear Ray. Just say it's, please don't say it's Mephisto. All I can no. Well, I mean, it is Mephisto, but okay. that's beside the point. Right. Ray, cool. Ray, your, your thoughts and reaction to, to this, this scene before I give my theory. Hashtag everything is, is, is Mephisto. Um, first and foremost, this, this is definitely one of the top three or four biggest, scenes just because of what it what it represents and what it's bringing coming forward i too believe that it wasn't venom that did this it just happened that while venom was doing it while venom was going to show eddie the world changed and blipped if you will to use a pun that's relevant but not right um because venom was confused after when they came to and that's what made me realize personally that you know both of them were like what the fuck happened venom's like i don't know because he um, freaks out over the swans, over the, yeah. over the palace swans. He's like, what are those? Exactly. Um, but the best part about it to me is how genius it is to do it like that. Because now Venom and Eddie makes this this quest to be the lethal protectors. They're, they're, we're going to do good now. We're going to do it our way, but we're going to do good. We're going to go and find people to help. He's under the impression that Spider-Man is bad. Right. So now you have a reason for Venom to be the villain to Spider-Man, but Venom's still good. And I think that's such a genius way to bring these two people together. Because I was that's the one thing that's been bothering me the whole time is, one, Eddie Brock hates Peter Parker in general, which leads to the Venom and Spider-Man hatred, one. Two, how are you going to make it that Venom is being a hero in this world, and now all of a sudden he's going to hate this dude? So brilliantly executed fantastically done i i'm all in all in 100 all right you ready for my theory it's it's r2d2 no well i mean ah. r2d2 is the most powerful he is no. the most powerful <laughs> character in star wars no, no. so no, no. S- shut up no. don't, don't i'll fight you um here here is my theory and it's crazy theory and to circle back on an earlier joke on the show what if Venom, and I'm actually pulling a thread from the trailer too. What if Venom, Doc Ock, and the Green Goblin aren't because Peter Parker's been traveling through different multiverses, but these are a bunch of multiverses that are converged onto one central. Like somehow this has pulled multiple universes into one universe and almost is creating a clusterfuck of universes. Because it'll explain a couple of things. Because here's the other thing is, if you remember from the the No Way Home trailer, Parker's wearing a black, almost Venom suit at one point running through wherever. You see, we know that there's rumor that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire might be popping up. There's rumor that Jamie Foxx may be coming back as Electra. We haven't seen anything confirmed on that. That hasn't been shown to us. We've heard Willem Dafoe's voice. We've heard. But what if this is not some great, like shifting and pulling people into the universe, but converging of three universes onto one and creating some sort of fucked up multiverse event because we've crashed three into each other. <laughs> I'd say very likely <laughs> that's what's that. That could be what's going on that you are. I, I mean, everything we've seen from no way home, you're bringing in multiple universes into one biolocation, I guess, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, I, 
yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to me is do we actually see Venom in No Way Home? Because, you know, it, it took it took a bit of work to get Sony to agree to do this with with the MCU. Um, and that post credit scene was done so well. You got to figure. I don't know, Ray. What do you think? Because I know you. We all love the post credit scene. That felt more MCU than Sony to me. Like they had sure. their hands heavily in that. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's like, wow. Do we get to act? I mean, if we see Venom in No Way Home, that would be huge. It, it felt like Feige said, "Andy Circus, Sony, yep. y'all got the first hour and fifty minutes. I got the last five. <laughs> but it just hit me, Patrick. It just hit me. And Doctor Strange, the first movie." the ancient one was drawing energy from the dark dimension because the first law of thermodynamics, you cannot create matter. Matter is neither created nor destroyed. It's only redistributed or however the, whatever it goes, right? The, the spell that Dr. Strange is doing is take, is trying to put Peter and take the Spider-Man from the other universe and bring it to this universe because nobody knows who Peter Parker is. In the Andrew Garfield universe, or in the in the Tobey Maguire universe, with the exception of dead people and and his and his wife, right? So that's why everything converges because he's trying to pull that mysticism stuff from that universe over. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? What I'm saying. I hear you. I am. I, I honest to God, guys. I. I know, like I said, I know it sounds hyperbolic. This is, in my opinion, this is as big as anything they've ever put at the end of any Marvel-related film. And that this is an MCU tag on the back of a Sony film. And I wonder if this is the gate to uh, Tom Holland going into the Sony universe almost exclusively. And that we may be seeing the tail end of Peter Parker as a regular in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's why I speculate that at the end of this, Sony may come out almost for the better in preserving their Spider-Man, their their Spider-Man universe. I, I don't know. We're gonna have to wait and see. But if you want to talk about God, I, I'm excited for the Eternals because I know it's gonna be different. Man alive, do I want to fucking skip Eternals and just go straight to Spidey? <laughs> the, the problem is that Sony still hasn't shown that they can do a really good Spider-Man movie. And, and, and I don't know if whether this does this, let me ask, pose a question to you. Does this give you confidence that they could actually do this? I mean, this is a much better movie, but I, also, I think that, I think that the use, uh, I think that Sony started to learn. And I, again, this is where I think Marvel has done so well for so many, so many other companies. People know they got to get the right folks. Say what you will about dc movies i like and i personally think Zack snyder is 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 wrong for for the dc cinematic universe i think he was dumb i hate the snyderverse i hate all everybody knows this we know but they nailed it with patty jenkins i actually think that they nailed it with james wan with Oct aquaman mm -hmm. i really do i don't even know who's directed um shazam but they they've got they they've shown that the important thing is it's, it's all about the director and the people you use to make those movies, and I think Sony, you know, Sony made two good Spider-Man movies with Sam Raimi at the helm, and then they tried to inject against Raimi's vision of what he wanted to do versus what they wanted to do, and that's why that franchise fell apart. 
Uh, I can't even remember who the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man franchises were. I didn't hate the first one with the lizard. That movie was fine. I didn't. Th- I didn't think it was great, but did I think it was bad. This is no. The second one with Electro was, was stupid. Yeah. Was bad and did so many things wrong in trying to put its own spin on stuff. So inject the inject the death of Gwen Stacy into the middle of this clusterfuck. Too so. many things. Yeah. Too many right. things. And that's I, been that's been a problem for a lot of superhero movies. I think that Sony has realized we don't need to use Spider-Man to make money off of Spider-Man. Right. I think that's what they've realized, and which is why they're willing to use P- Peter Parker, Tom Holland, kind of like Ric Flair in the '80s in NWA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think, but I say that because Venom makes money. They're gonna have a Mobius movie. Or Morbius, sorry. Morbius. That's going to make money. Black Cat is going to make money, whether it's just her or with Silver Sable. They, they, have, they have so many great characters. And then there's, there's four spiders that they could use. Peter Parker. They could use Miles. They could use Gwen Stacy and, and, uh, and, and uh, Ghost Spider. Or, yeah. or they could still use Silk. You know, so there's right. so... There's so much they could use. I think they've made the understanding that let's go ahead and make the big money with these team ups and then we'll continue to do our own thing over here. And so now you have a universe where our Venom has graduated. Right. Venom has graduated to where he will still make money with us, but we can put him in the MCU proper and getting them billions of dollars. But we still create our own stuff. That's strictly our money because we own these characters. And I think it's a genius business move. Right, but you're also going to get that Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six movie under the Sony umbrella, not the MCU umbrella, because it doesn't fit under the MCU umbrella. It fits and under the Sony umbrella and what they're doing. So, and it's going to make two billion dollars. That's right, and folks, that is going to do it for our review of Venom and this this after credit scene. I feel like we have educated you all. I feel like you all now have a better understanding, it, and now you know. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? (laughs) You know what the problem is? All right, so... For this week's Patrick O'Dowd has a question. I want to go back to some news that broke that I don't know that we covered on the bandwagon, uh, but we lost a, what, what I would say is one of the most underrated comedic minds uh, in, in recent memory in the past. Again, Norm MacDonald, who quietly passed away uh, due to complications from cancer. He'd been battling cancer for somewhere in the neighborhood of seven years. Very much um, dealt with it the way that Chad, Chadwick Boseman had, keeping it out of the public eye and, and passing. And I was surprised at how sad I was to hear of his passing and how looking back, I was like, damn, he was really an underrated comedic mind with that like dry sense of humor. He didn't always click with everybody. You know, he got fi- famously was fired from SNL. But I, you know, I, I remember watching his take on Weekend Update and sometimes it was just perfect and other times it wasn't. 
And, and he just he he always kind of what like he was himself, and he always just he always sort of carried that, and he was in, in his own genius way. So my question to, to you guys is, if you're a fan, and if you if you don't have any sort of frame of reference, I get it. Question to you is just just one highlight, one favorite thing from the career of Norm Macdonald. What was um Billy Madison? He was in Billy Madison, right? That, yes. that, I mean, because I, I love Billy Madison and just those two losers hanging out with Billy as he progresses through his schooling. And, and, and I mean, that's some really funny stuff. Billy's in school, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's what stands oh, yeah. out to me as far as like trying to remember him. He's done other stuff, but that's, that's the first thing that jumped to my mind was he was great in that movie. I mean, they all were in that movie. So, um. Yeah, I award myself zero points and may God have mercy on my soul. So I, you know, I've, I've, as I've gotten older, I've become a major SNL nerd. I, I, I love the art. I love the medium. Like I, I'd take if I could, I'd take improv classes. I think I just love the art of that. And um, I didn't realize that Norm was so influential on people. Um, and and quite often you don't realize this stuff until someone's gone that you realize how much someone means to him. Um, but, you know, the moth joke, I think, is up there, him and Conan. Uh, but I think the thing that's funniest to me is how little he gave a fuck about anybody else as long as he was doing what he wanted. Because this man, I, a lot of people would probably say he's, if not the best, the most famous update host of Weekend Update on SNL. But him just relentlessly going after O.J. Simpson pops me every time frank every stallone. time he, he used to do frank stallone jokes all the time too he'd be like we all know who is responsible frank stallone <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing when you're a comedian and you care so little about this is almost Chappelle prior-esque that yeah you want the joke to be funny but clearly if the joke's funny to you you don't care if anybody else laughs and that's norm mcdonald he doesn't care if you laugh at the joke as long as he knows it's funny Tony, you got a Norm McDonald joke for us? Or a Norm McDonald moment? I love Norm McDonald. His dry sense of humor. He's been in a couple low-budget movies that are pretty funny. I think Turd Ferguson is one of the best characters <laughs> on Celebrity <laughs> Jeopardy. Uh, Norm McDonald. No, that's not my name. Turd, Turd Ferguson. Uh, he has a show on Netflix where he had a number of guests on that you should go back and watch from the last couple of years. It's excellent. Um, I mean, and that's the way it is folks. I have, I have two memories that I, I'm going to share of things that I love from Norm Macdonald. One of them is one of those low budget movies you're referring to. If you have not seen his movie, dirty work, yeah. go see his movie, dirty work. And one of my fate, cause it's, it's a revenge. He, he runs a revenge for higher business. And there's just some there's some jokes that are like Chevy Chase plays a doctor who owes fifty thousand dollars to a bookie because he made a bet on Rocky Four and he bet against Rocky. How appropriate! And, yeah, and, full circle. Yes, I know, full circle. But that's not my favorite joke in that movie. My favorite joke is he's trying to impress this woman whose boss is mean to her. So this guy's filming a live commercial, and he's hired hookers to hide in the trunks of all the cars. This dude is 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 selling and the guy opens up a trunk to show off the room and norm mcdonald's standing is like there's a dead hooker in there and i was like what that's that's not a dead hooker he closed another one and another one was there's another dead hooker and suddenly all these 
trunks of cars open up. And Norm McDonald's like, I've never seen so many dead hookers in one place in my life. And all of a sudden, this guy, just this random dude in the background who's watching the commercials, like, Lord knows I have. <laughs> and it's just, it's fucked up, but it's hilarious. Uh, in terms of Saturday Night Live, he did two skits that followed this pattern, but I loved it, where he plays the straight man to everything that's going on around him as it bursts into a musical. And the first one is a parody of West Side Story, where they're getting ready to start this big fight, and this is back when Tim Meadows was on there. And as Norm MacDonald's group is uh, is getting ready to face off against the against the Panthers, I think was the the name of the the evil or the other gang. He's like Johnny, and Johnny like comes out and does like a dancing pirouette, and he's like, "That that's that's not good." Like, what's going? It was. It, it was just, it's hilarious. And then the other one, they did the same, they did a riff on Evita where he's trying to make these speeches from the balcony and everybody else starts trying to sing like a don't cry for me Argentina thing. And he's like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are you? Doing? It's it's very, very funny stuff. It was brilliant. So if you have one, if you have a, if you have a glass or enjoying something while you're listening to bandwagon nerds, raise it. And wish a belated happy trails to one Norm McDonald. He will be missed. He was a great comedic mind. On that note, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, let's do our once around and tell everybody where to find us. Let us start this week with a lawyer, David Ungar. You can find me on Twitter at uh, the legend of Taylor Heineke, Tyler Heineke, whatever his name is, grows. Maybe we'll see how that turns out. But no, you can find me on Twitter at <laughs> at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude Agg, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Ray's shocked right now. I don't know what's going on with him. I just that, the play that, that Taylor Heineke just made. Burner account I've ever I've ever heard you come up with. Um, not 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 solid. Uh, Mr. Tunney, tell the folks where to find you. Oh, you can find me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook, and please continue to listen to everything on the Chairshot Radio Network. And the live studio audience's favorite member of the team, Mr. Ray, the Reverend Ray Cash. Thank you very much for uh, your warm welcome and uh, being appreciated as a uh, fully fledged member of the We're still doing Still doing It's Rick Cash. <laughs> R-A-Y-C-A-S-H. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, guys. It's, it's actually better when Patrick soundboard isn't working you know that that's oh like a, god that was fun <laughs> like a thank, child thank with you a new toy man. tony for the assist you can follow me at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-i-l-s-t there is no i in wrestling there is one in realist i did that for you greg demarco and i got it right this time that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and go check out Venom and watch 
what I think is the most consequential after credit scene we've had since the appearance of Thanos after the Avengers. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.